You know, this is our discipleship series, and we've been talking about being a contagious Christian. And the definition of contagious is a disease spread from one person or organism to another by direct or indirect contact. Why should we be contagious? Well, I'm glad you asked. We should be contagious because God needs us to be. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake to them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the world. You know, there's a lot of dying and lost people in this world, world, <laughs> world, and they need to hear good news. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Acts 10:38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Many years ago, I heard an old man tell a young man, explain to him what witnessing was. He said it's like one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And when you find something good, you know, you want to share it with others. You know, back in the 70s, my mom, our, her husband had left, so it was just me, my mom, and my three sisters, and we were on welfare. And, you know, times was rough. And the government passed out cheese on certain times. Anybody remember that cheese? Five pounds? Ooh, that ooh, mm. And when we found out where they were going to be, what time, we spread it around the neighborhood. Hey, they're going to be up on Ash Street at, two, at 6.30 in the morning, so make sure you're there. And we would get up early just for a five-pound box of cheese. But that cheese was, as the young people say, it was banging. We would get up early, and there'd be a long line. And we'd sit, stand in that line waiting. And that cheese was so good that oftentimes you see people fighting because someone tried to jump in front of them. Because, you know, once the cheese ran out, you were left high and dry. And there were times when we'd be in line, and there would be about two people in front of us, and they would run out of the cheese. And we went home just disappointed. But when we did get that cheese, I would take it home and... You know, we had that, I don't know if anyone remember, they had that um, lunch meat that came in a big old can of welfare food. And we would take that butcher knife and we would cut, cut it up and cut up a slice of that and put cheese on it, put it between light bread. Anybody know what light bread is? We used to call it light bread. It's a loaf of bread for those who don't know. And put it on there and ooh, it was like in hog heaven, that taste. It was so good, it just made you want to go outside and bark at the moon. 
or just go outside and go around the house and just kick yourself. It was just that good. Ooh. One beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. One cheese lover telling another cheese lover where to find cheese. And that was good cheese. You know, just because a person, you know, we're talking about being a contagious Christian. And just because a Christian, a Christian, just because a person is contagious doesn't mean that you'll, you'll catch it. You know, whenever I was preparing for this lesson, I always say, Lord, what do you want me to say? And I get still and I listen. And Pastor and Pastor Missy often talk about a rhema word. You know, you can read one scripture or passage 5,100 times. And then on the 5,101st time you read it, something jumps out at you. That's that rhema word. Well, he didn't give me no rhema word. But he gave me what I call a rhema nugget. Picture this. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was between two thieves. Jesus was contagious. One man caught it. One man didn't. As Kurt Whitsitt would say, tweet that. And Michael McGee said, if it's not in you, you can't catch it. That's why that family of four or five, one catch it, one don't. If it's not in you, you can't catch it. And if the word's not in our heart, then we're going to live a defeated life. Because the word is forever settled in heaven. When we're going through, if we stand on the word, even when the winds are blowing and we feel like giving up, that's when you hold on with that bulldog tenacity. Not letting go of God's promises. Because his promises are forever settled in heaven. So we just hold on. Tie that knot in it and just hold on because help is on the way. Hebrews 10.25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as ye see the day approaching. There's an incredible value in doing life together. We were not created to do life alone. We need each other. Because there are going to be days when I'm going to be down. And I need someone to come and pray for me and lift me up. And there may be days when that role is reversed. I might be someone's perfect laborer to help them. Because somewhere, somebody has given up on life. They feel that there's no hope. And the curves of this world has sifted them, has crushed them, has crushed their dreams, and they've lost all hope. But I'm here tonight to say there's hope. When we abide in him and his words abide in us, God's got our back. Because he said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm going to be with you always. So there's an incredible value in doing life together. Romans 14 and 7. For none of us live to himself, and no man dieth to himself. We need each other. Satan uses people and circumstances to disappoint Christians. He'll pull them away from the very people 
that God placed in their life to help them overcome that situation, their situation. I remember in my first marriage that I was oppressed, depressed, couldn't eat, couldn't sleep. And I was at the point where I was just ready to, I wouldn't say give up on God, but I was just ready to leave the church. You know, the only family that I knew because I was up here by myself and they took me in and I became their son. And I was at the point where I was just ready to walk away. Didn't know where I was going or what. But this one man, William Harvey Scott, he's in the grandstands of heaven. But God put him there for me at the right time, the right place. Because, I mean, it was, it was rough. And here's the beauty of it. When I was going to leave, if I would have left the church, I would have never have met Phyllis. Because one of the church members introduced us. And if I had have left, I know I wouldn't be standing here talking to you. But God put people in our lives to help us. Sometimes people, you know, turn a deaf ear and walk away. But when those that gravitate towards it, God pulls us out of our mess. You know, I've been through a lot of good and a lot of bad, and I've seen a lot of good, and I've seen a lot of bad. But God has always been there, never left me, never forsaken me. So no matter what we're going through, whether it's spiritually, physically, or financially, God is greater than all of our struggles. If we don't give up, if we just hold on, with that tenacity, that saying, no matter what happens, I'm trusting you, God. I'm not giving up on you. I'm not walking away from this church. I'm going to stand strong and firm on your word. And even if those knees are knocking, you still stand. Having your loins girded about with truth, the breastplate of righteousness, standing strong in the face of adversity, Again, we've been talking about being a contagious Christian. Go a little step further. And we're going to talk about 10 reasons why we should invite people to church. And I got this from Rhonda Stope. Number one, to hear the word of God. Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. And you know, a two-edged sword, if it don't get you one way, it's going to get you when it's coming back. So that's a deadly weapon. And it's saying that the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. So we can stand on His Word. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctoring, for reproof, for corrections in righteousness, that the man of God or woman may be perfect, which means just right standings, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You know, it is through the preaching of sound doctrine that the word of God, the first bullet, it penetrates hearts, 
and transform lives. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Becoming a new creature. Before I got saved, I had a potty mouth. I loved smoking marijuana. Drank a little beer. But I didn't really get into the to the whiskey and stuff because my mom and stepdad, you know, they were weekend alcoholics. And I seen how devastating that was because, you know, I grew up with a lot of violence. You know, like I say, I've experienced a lot of things in life, but those things didn't define who I am today. You know, I don't look at my past. What happened in the past, it's in my past. But I'm looking toward the prize, that mark of my heart calling in Christ Jesus. And he delivered me out of the murk and miry clay. In the same way he did it for me, he'll do it for anybody. I wasn't deserving of it, but God had his hand of protection around me because he knew one day I'd be standing before you, encouraging some in here that may be ready to give up on life, give up on a marriage, walking out on this relationship or just in a bad place to give you courage and let you know that hope is here. And all we have to do is just trust God. He never leaves us and he never forsakes us. You know, because there are some people that are living in things that they've done in the past. It don't define you. I don't care how bad it was or whatever you've done. When God looks at us, he looks at us through the blood of Jesus. And when he looks through the blood, the blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So our past is our past. But sometimes we become our worst enemy because we dwell on our past. I have relatives who they can't forget their past. The very same horrific things that happened to them happened to me also. But they're still in that mode where they're in their past and they can't see their future because they're in their past. So when we become a child of God, old things are passed away. New things begin. A new way of doing, a new way of thinking. And you know, I had a lot of bad habits and I gave up some, but you know, when you get saved, all bad habits don't go away. With me, it was smoking. I was addicted to it. You know, I was broke, didn't have money, and I'd be walking around having a nicotine fit, and I was in the men's bathroom. Men's bathroom. Men's bathroom. Got it? And there was one on the floor. I picked it up, and, and here's the beauty of it. There was a match right beside it, a book of matches right beside it. I picked it up, lit it. It was like, oh, it was just, ooh. So when I got saved, I was like, you know, I don't, wanna, I don't want that in my body no more. But yet, like I say, I was minding my own business in the store. I had flushed the other ones down the commode. And I was in there minding my own business, going in the store to get some sweets and soda. And these pack of cool filter kings started talking to me. Hey, come here. Take me home with you. And I'm like, uh-uh. 
come on, come on, take me home with you. Like, no, went and got my cooking stuff, and next thing you know, I get ready to go to the cashier. Hey, I'm still here. Come on, take me home with you. Next thing you know, I was lighting up and smoking and feeling condemned. And it, back and forth, I would throw them away. Next thing you know, I was back in the store. Hey, come here. And I would listen to them. Next thing you know, smoking again. All the while being condemned. You know, smoke stays in your clothes. And whenever I'd be going to church, I would, I would take off my shirt so it wouldn't get in my clothes. Then I would smoke. And when I get to church, I'll put my thing back on. I thought I was slick. But they still smelt it. But eventually, I, it's been over 40-something years, and I have no desire. Yeah. You know, smoking don't send you to hell. It just sends you to heaven quicker. And my, no condemnation. But everything don't come out. Because I thought once I became a Christian, I didn't have nothing else to worry about. I had arrived, no more problems, no more struggles. Failed marriage. This, it was like the floodgates of bloom, despair, and agony on me just opened up. And it was one right after the other. And I was like, you know, I guess I learned the hard way that, you know, life happens. So all things are become new. The second bullet calls sinners to repentance. Luke 5, 32, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, when I was growing up, we weren't church. We didn't go to church. I ain't know nothing about church. I ain't know nothing about church. And I was shacking. Y'all know what shacking is. I was shacking, you know, thinking, hey, I'm doing good. And the mother of the woman I was shacking with, she sent two guys to our apartment to witness to me. Now, mind you, I didn't want to hear them. I had a plan. I was going to wait till I was about 80, 90 years old, and I was going to give my life to the Lord. That was my plan, and I was sticking with it. You couldn't tell me nothing different. I'm going to give God my leftovers, and I was going to stick with it. But this guy came in. You know, we're talking about the first reason to hear the Word of God. They told me, for God so loved the world, and they told me other scriptures, and at the end, what really condemned me was he said, Brother Bob, now that you've heard the word of God, if you were to die now, you would go to hell. Well, it really shook me up. I was like, hey, I'm shacking, and I like doing that, and my cigarettes, you know, I um, want to smoke my cigarettes. So when they left, there was such a condemnation on me. I went and got my cigarettes and started smoking it, and it didn't even taste right. I was beginning to feel condemned. So they invited me to church, and they had revival. And this wasn't a word church per se like Harvest World Outreach Church. You know, I didn't know anything about what I needed to do to be saved. They had a revival going, and he did the altar call. I went up. And I came back, didn't feel anything, nothing happened. The second night I went up, went back, nothing happened. And it wasn't explained to us what you do to be saved. You know, that it's not a 
feely, feely thing. You know, you believe in your heart, and God saves you. I wasn't taught that. But that third night, I was wrestling with it. it I mean, it was like a war. I want to stick to my plan. Wait till I'm old. I want to give up shacking. Don't want to give up my cigarettes. All this is going through my mind. But I heard the words that he spoke, Brother Bob, if you die now, you will go to hell. And I didn't want to burn up in hell. And that third time when I got up, I said, Lord, I don't know what I need to do to be saved, but I don't want to go to hell. And I walked up to that altar. And I just poured my heart out. And he did the sin of prayer. And when I got up, I felt good. But then the devil said, you're not saved. It takes more than that. Oh, but I knew in my heart that something was changing me. And I knew that I knew that I knew that I was saved. And nobody could tell me nothing different. And I left that altar a changed man because of what the Word did for me. It spoke to me, and I listened, and I'm so glad that I was obedient to him when he called me. So we go, the first one is to hear the Word. And the second bullet is call, call sinners to repentance. The third bullet inspires, oh, I'm sorry, I, I missed one, to encourage the downtrodden. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The next bullet inspires the Lord's servants to love and serve him. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love the Lord as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the laws of the prophet. And the last bullet gives light to the direction God wants you to go in. You know, the steps of a righteous man or woman are ordered by the Lord. God will direct our path. And all we have to do is follow it. He's already made provisions. But sometimes, you know, God says, go left. We go right. He says, go right. We go left. And then we suffer heartache and pain because of our disobedience. But God will never lead us down a road that when you get there, there's a pitfall for you to fall in. He wants you to soar like an eagle. He wants you to mount up with wings as eagles, run, not be weary, walk, and not faint. He wants us to have the best. But sometimes we forfeit it because of things we do and the lifestyle that we live. But even then, God's arms are not short. He can't reach down and pick us up no matter how far we get down in the murk and miry clay. God's hands will pick us up, pull us out of it, if we allow him to. Psalms 119.105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Isaiah 40 and 8. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, 
but the word of God shall stand forever. The second reason why we should invite people to church is to participate in corporate prayer. You know, worshiping God alone is wonderful, but something spectacular and something great happens when you get a bunch of people together corporately praising God and lifting him up. Matthews 18, 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Acts 2, 1 through 4. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were having corporate time. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven-like tongues as of fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And it began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The third reason, number three, why we should invite people to church. Iron sharpens iron. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. You know, it's important for each of us to build a, grow, a growing relationship in life. You know, we need people. We need people who can help us rub off the rough edges, who honestly have our best interests in mind when they do it. And I asked Leon if I could share his testimony about when he was at the old church, and he graciously said yes. And this is when, you know, Pastor and Pastor Misty, when the new, new, um, new visitors, new members would come, you know, they would go out to lunch with them and get to know them and stuff, and Leon and Patrice were with Pastor and Pastor Misty. And here it was, you know, Leon had a lot of rough edges. He was going through a lot of hard times. Life was throwing him a curve. And, you know, seemed like doors were shutting in his face and stuff. So he had a lot of baggage on him when he was at that table. And as Pastor was talking, Leon barked at him. And, you know, I can imagine, you know, this is me talking, not Leon about what I'm about to say. You know, I can imagine, you know, the flesh, you know, we say things sometimes, the flesh swell up. Here's how I pictured, you know, whenever Leon barked at Pastor. I just visioned, you know, the flesh saying, oh, no, he didn't. Oh, no, oh, no, he didn't tell me I need to be well oiled with the love of God. Uh-uh. Does he know who I am? Hey, I'm from the hood. I jump across that table like the cowboys did, telling me I need to be well oiled with the love of God. And Pastor looked at him again, said, You need to be well oiled with the love of God. Listen to this. There are times when these sharpening conversations, even from loving friends, can come across as harsh, mean, or judgmental. Little did Leon know that those 11 words, you need to be well-oiled with the love of God, 
would dictate his destiny. He said he went home, had a one-on-one with God, made peace, and he started serving in a church. He began serving his way to his destiny. Those sparks began to go away. And little did he know the impact that he would have on this church. Little did he know that there were a lot of people who were changed because of him. Just as pastor poured into Leon's life. Leon, you need to be well oiled with the love of God. And even though it wasn't received like it should have, God was planting something in Leon's heart. And he went with it. And God had put him in a position. Here it is. Had a lot of people under him in Harvest Church. And a lot of people who serve have had Leon over them in leadership. And I can honestly say that his leadership skills are second to none. Second to none. Second to none. And to think he needed to be well oiled with the love of God. And now he's well oiled with the love of God. Executive Director of Harvest World Outreach Church. That's a great responsibility. And if he hadn't been in church around good leaders to you need to be well oiled with the love of God. And when the flesh rears up, you know, the word's going to knock it back down. But I'm so glad that he had that meeting with Pastor. And I'm so glad that those 11 words transformed and changed his life forever. I never get tired of him telling his story. I wish I could tell, him, tell it like he tell it, but I can't. But you get the gist of it. His heart wasn't in the right place when he was sitting down with pastor. But he made peace with God. He got on the right track. He began serving his way to his destiny. And God was right there. Hey, Leon, I'll never leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. I've got your back. Because there's a lot of people that are going to be changed because of you. You're going to impact a lot of people. And I'm going to put you in a position of leadership. And you're going to mentor others as you've been mentored. You know, we all, we all need each other. We all need each other. Good measure, press down, shaking together, and running over. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, we are. We are our brother's keeper. Because somewhere someone's giving up. They're feeling that there's no hope. But we know there's hope if we just trust and believe. When iron sharpens iron, not only does it make it sharper, but it also causes sparks. So God rubs off the impurities. Just as Leon, the sparks, he was sparking when he was at that table. You know, he could have went to the 4th of July and he could have had a lot of fireworks going with all them sparks that was coming from him. But now he can have sparks of celebration. He's well oiled with the love of God. He's no longer you need to be. He is well oiled with the love of God and making an impact on all of our lives. And I thank God for that. Proverbs 27, 6 in the Amplified. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, 
who corrects out of love and concern. That was pastor. But the kisses of the enemy are deceitful because they serve hidden agendas. A friend wants you to succeed. The enemy wants you to fail. Ever been around a person, God blesses you maybe with a new car, and they start hoping you don't make your payment so you'll lose it? Or you got a lovely house. I hope they forfeit it. You know, the enemy, the enemy's the enemy, and he don't want us to succeed. And, you know, I thought that when you became a Christian, you're supposed to live in poverty. But that's not what the Word of God says. You know, the love of money is the root of all evil, but God wants us to have nice things. There's nothing wrong with if someone wants a Lamborghini. You know, as long as he's not making Volkswagen money, you know, you can't get a Lamborghini and you're making Volkswagen money. Next thing you know, the tow truck's going to be there and it's bye-bye Lamborghini. You know, if we're good stewards of what God gives us, if we're tithers, if we're givers, you know what I love about this church? You will never, ever, ever, ever be forced into giving money to this church. Never, ever. Never, ever. Never, ever. And I'm so glad of that. But we're taught seed time and harvest. We're taught the principles of giving. And we will always be tithers and we will always be givers because we know God loves a cheerful giver. So, like I said, I could write a whole story about the things that God has done because we're tithers and givers. And I shared a way back that, you know, it came down to the point where the house we had and I had a job, 35% cut on my pay. And, you know, mortgages keep coming month after month after month after month. And if you're doing 35% cut, next thing you know, something's got to give. And we're tithers and givers. We never stop tithing. And really the money that we pretty much needed to keep the house was what we were doing in tithe. You know what we did? I'm not saying you do this. I'm telling you what we did because we know what the word says. As I said, we had a house, but the house didn't have us. In the house we're in now, we love it. That's our house. And who would have thought how God just worked it out? Because we're tithers, because we're givers, God opened up. And as they say, won't he do it? What he did for me and Phyllis, he'll do for you too. I love the Lord. He's been good to us. He's always made ways. He's not like man if we just trust and believe. Okay, I'm not even halfway on my message. <laughs> We're talking about 10 ways, um, reasons why we should invite people to church. I'm just going to cover a few things. What did I do last? Iron sharpens iron to exercise our gifts. God gives all of us gifts. The gifts and call it, callings of God are without repentance. When we all put our gifts together, look at how Harvest World Outreach Church is. Just like when pastor and them go out of town, they've entrusted people to stand and speak in their behalf. Oh, there's one I wanted to get to. Yeah, this one is I wanted to get to. Number five, to encourage your pastor. Some people will never know the heaviness that a pastor goes through due to people and circumstances. Pastors are human just like you and I. They go through the same trials and tribulations that we go through. And I want to put out a disclaimer. 
Pastor and Pastor Misty can't be in 5,100 places at one time. You know, some people get offended, and even some will leave churches because the pastor won't come and pray for their big toe. They've got that bunion on it, as I preached before. But they have raised up leaders who, on behalf of them, they come and they pray for us. Because they're human. You know, they can't be omnipresent. So they can't be in 5,100 places at one time. So if someone comes to you praying for you when you're sick or shut in, know this, that they're there on behalf of Pastor and Pastor Misty because they love us just that much and they care for us. And I know everybody in here knows that they love us. Even when Pastor was dealing with his cancer, he still stood up here and poured into our lives. And he's going through, you know, he had feeling, you know, the, the enemy has, you know, put doubts in my head. This is it. You know, you know, this is it. You're gone. This, you're gone. This is it. But yet he stood here bold and he preached. And if someone never knew what he was going through, they would have thought that there was nothing wrong. But he stood strong, did brave. I'm so glad. I'm, I'm proud that we've got the best pastors in the whole wide world. I mean, second to none. Because I remember coming to this church, dejected, bewildered, didn't have nowhere to go, no home church. And we got here. And we seen those two people loving on people of all races. And it made me feel good because on Sunday, that's some of the most segregated times of the week. And I seen them pour into the hearts of people, and it made me feel good. And it was one day, I think we were at St. Peter's, and he was up preaching. And I looked at him. I was so proud. And I, I, somehow I just said it out loud. I said, that's my pastor. And it felt so good. And that's, you know, 20-something years later, that's my pastors, Pastor and Pastor Misty, second to none. I followed them to the end. You know, if we were on a chopping block because being a Christian, and they say, we're going to cut all your heads off, and they're leading up front, I'm right behind. I'm right behind. And I mean that with all sincerity. I believe in them. I believe in them because they're integrity. They stand for truth. And they've had a bad rap. People have said, lied many times, got in their face saying all kind of things, but they loved them in spite of what people said and what people done. You know, there have been a lot of ministers that would have done different, but they purpose to walk in love. And I'm so proud of my pastors. And I could never say that before where I come from because it was, it was different. Anyhow, so I wanted to get that one out. But I'm just going to tell you what they are. So we got to encourage our pastor, find godly mentors, teach your kids to love the church, to be a light to your community, to bear each other's burdens. We are our brother's keeper. And lastly, because God says to, let's pray. Father, we honor you. We're thankful that you're king of kings and you're Lord of lords. And God, we say that every burden is removed, every yoke is destroyed because of your anointing. God, everyone in this 
room and under the sound of my voice and those that are via the internet, we say they're whole, they're healed, they're delivered, they're set free from all manner of sickness, all manner of disease. And what the enemy meant for evil, you're turning for good right now. God, we curse that addiction at its roots. We said withers, it goes away. We're thankful that you're God of reconciliation. You're reconciling that marriage. You're reconciling that situation. Oh God, and even those that are financially challenged, we're tithers, we're givers. We say the windows of heaven are open and you're pouring out us a blessing right now. Money coming from the north, south, east, and west. Thank you that you're Abba Father. You're the soon, the coming king. There's none greater than you. Thank you for your healing power, working mildly in all of our bodies. And God, give doctors the wisdom, give them the knowledge to know exactly what to do at the right time, the right place. We're thankful that their hands are anointed, that the scaffolds are anointed, that it makes that right precision cut, that the sutures suture up exactly what needs to be sutured, and there's no leakage. Oh, God, we're thankful for it. And, oh, God, we're thankful that Psalms 24 and 8, who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Thank you, Father, and we honor you. We call this day blessed, and as we go our separate ways, help us to take heed to what you will say to each of us so that we stand with that bulldog tenacity, not letting go of your promises. But this too will pass. And oh God, help us to be well-oiled with the love of God. And we're thankful for it. And we give you all the honor. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.